by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. Welcome back to part two of our episode with April Ross. We thank April a ton for, for spending so much time with us that we had to split it into two. So we hope you enjoyed part one of our episode with April where she did reveal that she will be going to Tokyo or making that run to Tokyo 2020 with Alex Kleinman. And in episode two, she talked a little bit more of that partnership, who's coaching her, and a lot, lot more. So listen in. Thanks, as always, for dropping by and listening. If you like us, hit us with a review on iTunes. We appreciate it. Enjoy, and we'll catch you ne- catch you guys next week on Sandcast. And I like that. And I think that's um, something interesting to invest in for me also. you know. And that's what I was kind of talking about before. Like, do I want to just continue this career and do good or do I want to, you know, pair up with Alex who I, you know, potential, I could see us going the distance and like being the best in the world. Um, even though there's going to be hiccups and challenges and we're going to be in the country quota and it's like starting at square one for me, but at the same time, what is the meaning of what you're doing if you're not challenged, you know, like if you don't have these things that are going to help you grow and things to overcome, like what's the point? Like you don't, it's not supposed to be easy, you know? And you're not taking the easy way out. I mean, you could easily take the easy way out and take the person with the most points and start with the highest seating and give yourself the easiest route. But like you said, you have a goal to be on a certain team and that's, what you're creating you see a player that has the potential to be that particular teammate so you're going for it no matter what obstacles lie in the way of that and yeah. i'm trying to think of that stuff too because i'm gonna have to pick up a partner here at some point yeah um so that's interesting for me to to hear yeah i mean that was that was the choice it was like the safe choice or the choice i thought you know was challenging but had the most potential um and also i i kind of i i think I've learned a lot over the years. Um, and one of the things I've learned the importance of is building a like-minded team around yourself. Um, having the same mentalities and the same goals and the same work ethic are all, all really important, I think. And it's funny how interconnected, like Alex and I don't know each other very well, but it's funny how interconnected we are and how many of the same people we know. And like, um, like really well. <laughs> and it's my, my agent is really, really good. She works at Wasserman. She doesn't pick up people ever. Um, me and Jen got super lucky. The fact that we got to be with her and she reps us. Um, and I didn't tell her that Alex and I were playing together, but she had re- reached out to Alex, but like without me even knowing, and they had a meeting and like, so she's picked up Alex. And so, wow. you know, it's just like kind of all, it just seems like it comes full circle. Stars are aligning. Yeah, and um, she played indoor with Nicole Davis, and I talked to Nicole Davis, and, like, they know each other, um, I think have the same mentality. I talked to Nicole Davis about possibly doing sports psych for us, and it just seems like everybody is kind of on the same page. And um, we've asked uh, Jen Kessie to coach us. Wow, really? Yeah. And? So um, she's going to... She's trying to make it work. Nice. So she's initially um, working with us, and we've done practices for a couple of weeks now. She has a six-month-old, though, and so that's obviously, like, really tough. Um, But I just think she has such... Like, she played so recently and has such a, 
she's always had a really high volleyball IQ, I thought. Um, and to have her kind of number one, helping me for sure. And she knows me so well, I think she can help me get better. And then, um, she was more of the blocker on our, our team anyways. So to have her helping Alex and teaching Alex, I think is so great. And her mentality when we played is something I want to replicate with my team now. So I think I, I just, I don't know, it all makes sense to me. Like That's you said, awesome. you, you haven't had a, a really chance to compete with Alex yet. So I guess what's the, the training going to be like? I'm sure it's going to have to be kind of expedited, you know, heading into the Hague, which is what, January 3rd? Yeah, January 3rd. Uh, we're training every day, um, doing everything we can think of to, to get the ball rolling. And um, it's like she's very, very co- coachable, and I feel like we're getting better every day. Um, there's just little things that play you like, you don't know about playing on the beach and you can't really know about until you've like got the experience. So those little things are going to have to wait for a while, I think. But, uh, when, when things are kind of in rhythm, at least like she's pretty unstoppable. So that's, that's a good sign. We just got to keep working on ball control and having it be like that as much as possible. You mentioned when you were talking about this past season that it had a couple hiccups and um, it wasn't all bad though. You just got inducted to the USC Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank That's pretty you. awesome. Yeah. I'm I excited. Just, I just walked by your, your poster the other day, uh, or yesterday actually. I went to the Rams, Rams and who are they Saints. Saints. Rams, Rams Saints, Saints game. Yeah. And we walked by the Beach Stadium. Oh, it's that picture, picture is amazing. <laughs> your old school picture. <laughs> My old school picture. The picture is like, the pictures of me on the wall in uh, the Galen Center are even worse. People, <laughs> anyone who sees it immediately texts me and like with a photo and making you? fun of me. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, those are some awkward days. I was wondering if 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 ever anyone does anything worthy, if they get their picture up on the beach stadium from the men's side, since there's no man. Dude, you I need should. to talk to Anna Collier. Yeah, you should. <laughs> Dude, there's an of time. heads out. I just want to get some attention. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go win something first, though. Um, so in terms of, of 2017, you know, what did you learn, I guess, from this past year that you want to apply moving forward? We talked a lot about mindfulness and the mental side of the game. I guess anything else that you, you want to take away from last year moving forward into 2018 through 2020 in Tokyo? Um, what do I want to take from this? Well, this season has definitely given me new perspective and a lot of gratitude for being healthy, which, um, I took for granted last year, um, especially in the off season, you know, I I was a little bit burnt out and I just stopped really lifting. I lifted a little bit, but like didn't have a program. I wasn't doing physical therapy. I just kind of like shut it all down because my mind needed it. Um, but I wish I hadn't have done that. Like to feel healthy and good is like such a blessing and, um, going through breaking my toe and, um, having some shoulder issues and stuff. I, which I, I'm not used to being hurt ever. Um, so definitely gratitude for being healthy and being as strong as possible and staying on my physical therapy. That's huge. Um, and I think, I think working, just working, and this is really minute, but working on my, um, routine at tournaments, cause you travel and you get on, like you deal with jet lag. And for some reason, like my brain just wants to be 
not on vacation, but I have such a gnarly schedule when I'm at home, you know, like I work out and I train and I get over there and I'm like, Oh, I could like take a nap right now. Or, you know, I could put off going to the gym for like another hour. And then before I know it, there's no time left in the day. And so I really want to get my routine down at tournaments. Um, I did, I, you know, it, and also just seeing again, how much better everybody in the world is getting, and it's like, I need to study video. Like I, every year I say, I need to watch more video and I need to study these teams because you play on the AVP and you see these teams over and over and over and you really get to know them and it makes such a huge difference. And you don't necessarily do that, get to do that internationally. And so I think watching video is going to be a huge thing going forward for me. Um, That's something I've kind of always... Uh went back and forth with because Haydn actually doesn't watch that much video and obviously my first like two years on tour I'm like whatever you say Haydn I'll yeah. do it you know because I was a rookie and he's John Haydn one of the veterans but yeah as the years went on I'm like Sh- should we be watching more video I feel like there's something there some value and we watch it and and I'm also the very instinctual player so I don't like to get in my own head and think too much and I've watched a ton of video at times and like overstudied the game plan and overthought the whole game for sure yeah but in the back of my mind I'm just like there's value there and I need to tap into that and I need to take advantage of it I don't think there's too much wrong with it like I think if you understand that while you're watching video they're playing a certain way because of who they're playing or whatever but I think just your brain getting used to them and seeing how they play and just their ten like just little tendencies and, and totally. how they play defense and even stuff the, like that. the the thing that i even see as a blocker is where the ball where they contact the ball on their body for me lining up as a blocker like if you line up the same way on every person some guys get it way out in front some guys get it above their head that's you're like six inches a foot off of your base if you're lining up right. in the wrong spot and for me to just watch film and just not even look at anything that's happening where they hit it but just to see like the contact spot on their body just the way that they swing I can just picture it when I'm playing and be like I know exactly where he's going to contact it and I move my entire base of my block based on that and I think along those lines like not even you don't even have to be cognizant of it but like subconsciously I think your brain is gonna be like remember things and you're going to react different ways just because of what you've seen exactly seen before and you can always go backwards like every match is a progression and I feel like you're always fighting the other team. Who's going to adjust better. Who's going to find the better strategy quicker, um, to score those points. And you can always, so like, that's what watching videos for. And if it's not working, then your strategy is like, okay, I'm just going to go back and trust my gut and my instinct and like Mm -hmm. try it that way. But I think more information is always better. And it doesn't matter how good you are. You know, like Hayden's so good, but like could he be better if he watched video? Right. Carrie didn't really like watching video and can she, could, you know, she'd be better if she watched video. And like, I just don't, I think there's little competitive advantages you can gain by things you do, even if you are really good and you have to do those little things, even the, you know, the better you are. Mm-hmm. So that's huge for me going forward. I feel like a lot of players get scared to, I don't, what am I even trying to say? Just like, scared to go out of their own routine of things and be like, no, like, I know that my game's so good, I only want to focus on my game and not even put the opponent's game into my head. But there's some value there. 
Yeah, I think I I w- operated the same way for a long time. Like, it's hard to allow yourself a period of failing to experience those growths. You know, like change is always gonna cause you like some uncertainty and you know unfamiliar. Territory. Yeah, like you're you're gonna go through some growing pains and. If you're not okay with that, like, I don't think you can necessarily get too much better. And so I was very, I had a very protectionist mentality and I wouldn't read, like I got, you know, people would recommend me books and I was so, uh, concerned about messing up my mentality that I'd like read a couple paragraphs (laughs) and try to decipher if it was going to help me or not. And like, I'd be so worried if I read the book, it would affect me in a negative way. And it's like, you have to trust that you can take this in, take the information and make yourself better. And like things aren't going to make you worse. Like it might, it might cause you to have to adjust in different ways to like learn things properly or in a different way. But like in the end, you're going to be better. Like more information is never bad for you. I feel like. Is there a, is there a particular team, I guess that that you wish you would have watched more film on at some point or that you are looking to watch more film on the, in the future? Cause I know for like the men's side, I mean, if you hadn't watched film of the Polish team and then just walked into them, you would get murdered. (laughs) You'd have no idea what they were doing. So I guess, is there a a women's team that you are looking to, maybe the Germans, that you're just trying to pick up that one point per match that film might help you on? Well, obviously, everyone who you lose to consistently need to watch more film on. I think going into Rio, I really wish I would have watched more film on our competitors. Like, even like the night before when we found out who we were playing, like I really wish I would have watched a lot more film there. Um, anyone new who comes out onto the beach, but generally, I mean, just the teams that tend to do well, um, you know, consistently. So Larissa and Talita and Lauren Kira, um, a lot of the Brazilians, some of the Swiss teams now, you just, you just don't get looks at them very often. So you got to watch video. And I think the number one, I want to watch myself on video. Like, I think that is such a huge tool to like learn. Like I, if you, if what you think you're doing is not cohesive with like what you actually are doing, that's a huge problem. And it's hard to understand that unless you watch video on yourself. You mentioned your approach earlier yeah. when your toe was kind of messed up that your, your approach kind of steadily declined. So it was watching that video is sort of eye opening. It was so eye opening. I was like, what, what am I doing? Why am I so early every <laughs> single time? And then also what happens a lot is I watch myself play defense and I am not giving a hundred percent. I think I'm giving a hundred percent, but I'm like, I can run faster than that. Like, what am I doing? I'll go out the next day and I'll dig a ton more balls because I just watched myself on video and I realized that I wasn't giving 100%. I was, um, I did track and field in high school. And uh, one of the best things that happened was I did long jump. And I was not getting very good results. And um, I was just hanging out with my friends and one of them was watching me do the long jump. And she comes up and she's like, I think you need to run faster on like down the runway. And I thought I was running as hard as I could. She's like, you're not running very fast. And I was like, what? I feel like she's like, no, just run faster. And like, so the next time I really ran as hard as I could 
and I got like a way better result and I ended up being pretty good at long jump, but it's like the, what you think you're doing so often is not what you're actually doing. Yeah. And so watching videos, I think the best thing you could do. And now one of the, one of the fun things you did, uh, Last year was you, you filmed a commercial with Carl Anthony Towns and oh, D'Angelo Russell, yeah. which was hilarious. Uh, I wanted to make sure that, that I brought that one up. So how did that come about? I guess just kind of walk us through because, I mean, you made – these are two of the best athletes in the NBA, Carl Anthony Towns in particular. Um, and they look just flat out silly. Oh, my gosh. On the beach. They look, <laughs> other athletes look so bad and unathletic playing our sport. Yeah. It's and everybody walks out thinking that they're going to – be great seen, like uh, it's so easy what kevin love tried to play in the tournament i saw deandre jordan trying to play blake griffin both of those guys you're just talking about Shaq, you played against was that you i no. didn't play against Shaq. i saw that though someone played against Shaq at one point it's just i know people have played ridiculous. against like some nfl players that train at the yard and oh yeah, yeah like russell wilson cam, yeah. newton down here. cam newton came in baltimore and he got blocked by like a five foot five girl and the oh, video, I saw the video that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how hard our sport is. I mean, you just got to be a real athlete, you know, not like these guys. These guys are, they're okay athletes, but uh, they can't How do we get sport. people to, like, appreciate that more? Like, how do we... Just keep pushing that video out. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. That's a really good way I, to do it. I claim it pretty hard. I mean, just in general, that it's one of the most all-around sport. I mean, for me, like, People ask like, what's who's the most athletic person or athlete, and who's the what's the most well-rounded sport? For me, I really like basketball because it's a mixture of finesse and touch with the physicality part of it. Um, and these guys are good athletes. Volleyball is just like a different touch. Like yeah. you just have to understand how it works. You can't it's, overpower it. There, yeah, and there's you can't make mistakes. Like, if you're playing basketball and you have a weird dribble one way or the other, like, you can recover it so easily. Right. Or, like, not a perfect pass. Some, I mean, like, sometimes it gets picked off or whatever. But, like, there's just a little bit more room for error. I feel like there's very little room for error. Yeah, like, in half, your platform half an inch, your right hand half an inch lower than your left, and you just lost the point. Yeah. You're like, it's just so minute, the details. And then when we turn the power on, it's, like, super quick, just like that, from, like, finesse to power. And we're like deciding last second. Like we go up to hit, then we think we're gonna shoot, and then we hit again. Or like you know, like it's that quick. Everything that's happening. Yeah. And I don't think people really understand that. And when everyone watches our sport, they're like in awe of it. We gotta get more people to watch our sport. I know. Yeah. Well, that's number one. But then you like you have to know how to do all the skills. Like you can't socialize right. in any skill. That's what I love about beach in yeah, general. Yeah. Same. Which is like because I played indoor and I was the guy. Pass, pass, pass. Like, I'll get it to the setter every time right where we need it. I'll cover you. I'll hit a high percentage because I'm chiseling the block. Or if, if I don't get the kill, it'll be in play. Or I'll cover it and give us another chance. When you play professionally overseas, they don't care about that stuff. They're like, yeah. bounce the ball. We want you to see you bounce it, and that's it. Like, we don't care if you pass well. You're listening to Sandcast, Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawerder, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. VolleyballMag.com is your daily digital news source for all things volleyball, from NCAA women and men to beach volleyball on all levels to international and more. VolleyballMag.com, the only media outlet that covers our sport on all fronts every day. 
Marriott Vacation Club Rentals offers the best vacation accommodations in the world's best vacation destinations. Wherever you travel, Florida to Hawaii, Europe to California, you can visit Came Shock in Canada if you want. Mm-hmm. Choose to rest in our luxurious guest room, suites, or villas for your next getaway. Villas offer all of the comforts of home, including a full kitchen, living and dining area, and separate bedrooms. Stay with the Marriott name you know and trust. Book big spaces in great places today. Visit www.mvcrentals.com. It was I'm like, well, that's kind of my game. It's like doing <laughs> yeah. all the skills yeah. and blocking, but Same. you just want me to bounce balls, so I'm pretty much useless to you guys, and you're not going to pay me the big bucks. So I've seen I'm you bounce here. a few pretty high. Yeah. I mean, I can bounce a few, but not like it was indoor where I have these six, eight guys who can jump 40 and they're just like crushing. Well, and now, like after playing beach for so long, you think you could go back and be a better, better indoor player? Yeah, I definitely uh, could change my game a bit around, but... I've just always been a beach guy. Like, I played beach growing up, and then my friends and everybody I played indoors with realized that I was good at beach more so, so I kind of got invited over to indoors with all of them. And I was like, all right, I can play this indoor thing too. This works. But I've always, beach has been my love. Back on the beach. And then when I came out, I was like, wow, Tri's like one of the top beach players in the U.S. And when I played indoor, it was like, He's just another indoor guy. Yeah. So I was like, ah, screw this. I'm out. Beach is my thing, and I'm not looking back. And one of the the reasons that I kind of wanted to bring that up, too, is I was curious, and Tri brought this up before we went on, is that I guess how do you see yourself compared to athletes like Carl Anthony Towns, who's on the Timberwolves, I think, still, and D'Angelo Russell was with the Lakers. I think he got shipped off somewhere. He's old news. Um, Yeah, he's old news. (laughs) But so we have, you know, a beach volleyball player at, at the top, of the sport and to NBA players at the top of the sport. Is there, like, how do you compare yourself Let's as be an honest, athlete? April's higher, much higher <laughs> in our sport than they yeah. are in theirs. Oh. But you're also, I mean, have you, like, been to the ESPYs? And I know you went to the Super yeah. Bowl. And you, yeah, I've you've been, been all those things. Okay, you've been on Gatorade bottles. I know. The, that, I think, that's awesome. the more that's time like that Wheaties goes status. by, the more that is, like, career-defining. Like, I don't know... Other than, like, Olympics and meddling at the Olympics and stuff, I don't know if it gets better than being on a Gatorade bottle. That's like, that's I, like Wheaties. It's, I it's have two right left. There. I only have two left. I need to, what? like, of the, my Gatorade bottles. Oh, what? Can we, like, I, they get, got, like, a they back got order me of them? A, I had, like, pallets, and I just drank them <laughs> <laughs> and threw the bottles away. I, I like, for what sure, am I doing? Uh, I for sure picked your, uh, your Gatorade every time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. I wish you got a little uh, commission off that, but probably um, not. That's okay. Gatorade's a great sponsor. Um, I know that was amazing. I was on two like primetime Gatorade commercials and a Gatorade bottle like that. Yeah, that was rad. That was the best thing. That's one of the best things that's happened in my career. What's like the most surreal moment? I mean, I'm sure that was probably one of them. I mean, you've been on an Olympic podium twice. You've won all kinds of tournaments where, where, I guess what's number one. If you had to pick one, that's not an easy thing for you to do. Number one is for sure standing on the podium in the Olympics. Both times I'm like, how the heck did I get here? You know, like, especially in London. Like, London was hard because we just lost in the finals. And Jen was really bummed. And I, I, this is, like, kind of off topic, but, like, and it's more mental stuff. But, like, I play around with how much should you allow yourself to beat yourself up about losing like at the end of the day, it's about life and, and 
enjoying what you've kind of, after the day is done, like after you've given your all, if you've given your all and you know, you're prepared the best that you can and whatever has happened has happened. Like you have to still find some joy in that process. And so London, the ultimate loss losing in the gold medal match was really hard, but so we, we had probably 20 minutes, I think between the end of the match and going up on the podium. And Jen was like real, real upset. That's not long. It's not long. It feels like five minutes, probably, when you're, like, that emotionally. Yeah. I can't even imagine how emotionally. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a lot of disbelief. Like, the match right. is over. We just lost. Like, what? Like, what just happened? Right. Um, and so she was really upset, and I was back there being, like, we're about to go on an Olympic podium. Yeah, like, like, we need to change it. this I'm attitude. Yeah, I'm not going to be upset that we lost this. Like, we had never been to an Olympics before. We come in, we get the silver. Like, we had an All-American final. That's pretty cool. Um, like, I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to enjoy the most, like, the most I possibly can this moment. And so going up there and, like, was the coolest thing, like, I've ever done. And then same in, same in Rio. Rio was almost the opposite, though, because we won, and we were ecstatic. But, but it's bronze. the bronze. Yeah. Um, but it was still an amazing moment. And, you, and once you're up there, it's like you, for me, it's almost like the, it was just so rad that you can't wish that you were at the top. You can't like overthink it. Um, but it is, it is the most addictive and amazing like moment ever. So, um, I think that's that moment specifically is what drives me a lot to like go for Tokyo and want to get that gold. I've never thought about that either. And that the silver medalist ends their tournament on a loss, but the bronze medalist ends it on a win, a huge win too, because that win is the difference between being on the podium and not. Yeah. And I remember reading, I think Bill Plaschke wrote a story in the LA times on how, you know, he talked to you and Carrie afterwards and Carrie was saying that this is, you know, it's such a big win. And she's so proud of it. And at first I didn't really buy it. So I was like, well, you know, she's got a couple other goals that she's probably pretty proud of. But that makes sense, too, that, like, it must have been hard to recover from that loss to bounce back. And then you guys lost the first set, too, and then win the next right. two set against we the number one team like in the world. We were losing, like, 12 to 9 in the second set. That is the most in the zone I have ever been in my entire career was I was like, we once, – once we did the technical switch in the second set and we were down 12-9, I was like, I am not – losing this match. We are not losing this match. Like just the biggest refusal to lose I have ever had. And then I was so, I got like, this is honestly never happened to me before. Like I got so keyed in. We were, Oh, got to update my USADA. So I don't, um, fail <laughs> Drug this testing. Test. Yeah. Nice. um, like I was just so keyed in on her hand and her approach. Like I knew exactly, like, I felt like I knew exactly where she was going every single time. And that's a really good team. And she's a really good side out player. And like, it was just crazy how much that pressure necessitated, like, like me raising my level and Carrie raising her level. And I struggle with this a lot too. Like when you lose and say you get a fifth in a tournament or whatever, you're like, oh, this sucks. But then you get a ninth in the next tournament, you're like, oh, I wish I got a fifth, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I try to be grateful for, I try to be as grateful as possible for like f- finishes or whatever. But I think fourth place is the worst finish oh possible. Like especially in a beach volleyball in a tournament, tournament that only comes around once every four well, years. Well, especially in the Olympics. So 
two opportunities to be on the podium. Yeah. And two losses. Yeah. And, and then everyone in a normal on tournament, it sucks. Yeah. But at the Olympics, like, I yeah. So so I'm, getting the bronze was. I'm three for three on my on my bronzes. That's it. That's one it. silver only. That for me is like. That's huge pressure and coming through with huge pressure to get a bronze medal. It's more of the, uh, you really, really, really don't want to lose your fighting for it rather than like the, I really, really, really want a bronze medal. It's like, I really, really, really don't want a fourth. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's both and you just want to be on that podium, but yeah, for sure the bronze feels better at the time than a silver does. It feels better at the time. But when, when I look back at both also, you don't realize it in the moment, but, or even throughout the journey, you don't realize it so much. But I feel like after the silver and the bronze, I look back on both those journeys and the journeys honestly matter just as much as the medals, like how you got there. And I think if like you don't do as well, I think that I think the journey matters, you know, just as much no matter what. But like, if you get somewhere and you didn't enjoy it, like that still kind of sucks at the end. Um, so that plays into it also. But I've never been like I don't think I've ever been more relieved than I was after we got the bronze medal. That I was, could tell. I mean, just looking at it, looked like both of you were bought into that. Like it seemed like even more so. It's probably hard to get carry wrapping her mind around wanting to win a bronze medal. That's just from my outside perspective. I, but I, you guys both looked like you bought into it and were just like, we I mean, were, you guys had tears, like, I want, we won the bronze medal. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, part of me want, is thinking Carrie's going to be there, like, in tears because it's, it's a bronze medal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys were genuinely, like, just stoked. It was to very, be up there. It, I can tell you it was very genuine from, yeah. and I know people, no, I, I, I could, could understand why people would doubt that it was genuine or whatever from her because she has three gold medals, but. Um, it was very, very genuine, um, which I appreciated, yeah. you know? Like, no, you could tell. You could yeah. tell for sure. Um, but, yeah, she, like, we didn't... We were so bummed and, like, negative and, like, just, like, trying to get ourselves to turn it around. So we had, I think, like, 24 hours between matches or whatever. She didn't sleep at all. I think I slept, like, one or two hours maybe. And, like... We were going to the venue and we were both like so pissed, like not in a, not in a funny way, but like, <laughs> like pissed that we had to play this match. So it took like 22 of the 24 hours to wrap your mind around wanting the yeah, bronze? Yeah, we literally did, weren't able to change our attitude until I think we started warming up for the bronze wow. medal. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, if we're going to play this match, we're going to win this match. Like, and maybe it didn't even fully kick in until like the second set, like when it was on the line that we could possibly lose again. That one ball that Carrie chased down, I feel like. Yeah, no, that was the turning point. Many people have pointed to that. that that I was watching right here in my living room and that was for me the turning point. I was like, there's, okay, there's the Carrie. Because you were steady. You were pretty steady, it seemed like. And we're used to Carrie being really high level and more focused or whatever, you know, struggling with the float serve and all that. So I was like, all right, this isn't Carrie. Like, this is a little scary. And then she made that play, and then you guys did something, like, just super sick play after that. And then it was like, oh, they just locked in, like, together. And, yeah. And you guys took that it. That was a turning point, yeah. for sure. But, um, yeah, I'd say that the standing on the podium at both those Olympics was just 
so surreal. Even better than Gatorade. Barely. (laughs) Barely. Barely. Gatorade's pretty cool. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to find a way to like dig up some more of those, see if we can get some back orders on those. There's two left and they're in my pantry and I feel like somebody could come in and just like not notice (laughs) and drink it. I'm like, I need to put those in a safe somewhere so I can show. You refill it and put some dye in it (laughs) with water. (laughs) Hey, why is the seal cracked? Yeah. Um, but I also, another surreal moment actually was, um, going to the Super Bowl for, I believe it was the 50th anniversary a couple years ago and Gatorade invited all their athletes. Like Gatorade doesn't sponsor that many athletes. I think there's like 15 of us or something. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they invited. If we could show you guys that list right now, go look it up. It's like. I have a photo which I'm going to talk about. It's ridiculous. And. Company. So they invited us to a dinner before the Super Bowl, and I didn't know who was going to be there. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go to the dinner. And it's Peyton Manning and Michael Jordan and Derek Jeter mm-hmm. and Mia Hamm and, like, all the best athletes. Like, you could you, they just come they're, to they're mind. They're just gods. Yeah. And I'm sitting there at this dinner with all of them, Abby Wambach, like... And then we all like take a picture afterwards and it's, I have like, I have this picture like framed and it's just like one part of me is like, okay, I, I, you know, in, in one respect belong in this company. Like, I feel like I've worked really hard to be at the top of my sport, Mm -hmm. just like all of them have. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, this is Michael Jordan. Everyone in the world knows who Michael Jordan is. Like what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but that photo is going to, going to be up on my wall for a long time. That's I think cool. it's, Where, um, I think it's interesting to see like, cause our sport doesn't get as much attention. So if our sport did get that much attention then you'd be the, yeah, you know, that I mean, top, you are that top player for our sport, but you would get that same attention. Like, how does it feel when you're like with these athletes? Like, cause I try to like, and I'm basically making this up in my head, but I'm, I'm telling myself like, these NBA guys, all these NFL guys, they don't have anything on me. They, their sport is put on a spotlight, yeah. so they get that attention and no, all that. No, it's 100% accurate. I honestly believe that I have the work ethic and everything else that it takes. They even have way more advantage because they have all the resources with all these millions of dollars and these teams that are investing in them. And, yeah. and the players on the bench, you know, I mean, not to take anything away from their athleticism and how hard they work, mm-hmm. but like... I don't believe that they have to work as hard to be on one of those teams as we do to be on like an Olympic team or right. on just an international team. Like you have to be in the top eight athletes, the top four athletes yeah. in your country to go to the Olympics. You have to be in the top eight athletes just to compete internationally and like on a, you know, to get a huge, monthly stipend yeah, to to, make a, and to, that's just to pay for training. Yeah. Oh, and we book our own flights. Yeah. We don't have a private charter taking us around the country. We have private or we have fl- regular flights that we've booked for ourselves to go around the entire world. And I don't believe that our I mean, number for sure our sport is not easier to play. Like if anything, it's harder to play. And I believe that it's as entertaining. I really mm-hmm. I don't Beach volleyball is my favorite sport to watch. Like, I think it's the most entertaining. And I, I mean, I, it's not like I don't understand other sports. I just really like to watch beach volleyball. And everyone that comes, that I hear from that goes to a tournament loves it. Like, everybody loves it. So it's just really frustrating that we can't, like, yeah. step up our game a little bit. Like I went to a Rams. Sport. I went to my first NFL game yesterday, besides, like, 10 Pro Bowls when I was a kid in Hawaii. <laughs> but my first NFL game yesterday, and, like, 
I mean, I just sat there through so many TV commercials that were going on, and the players are just standing there. And then the defense is standing on the sideline. The special teams isn't really even a part of this sport until, like, every, like, once every, what, 25 minutes they come and play. And I'm like, how is this even a sport? Like, yeah. like, there's so much stoppage, and there's everyone's so specialized. But the business built around it makes it into this. I mean, and I watch NFL every week and I NBA feel every like week. If you took that production team that produces NFL games and those sponsors and you just slide them over to beach volleyball, like they could create that same thing. Like I really believe they could create the same thing. Yeah, I think we need the, the business minds behind it and a little, maybe a little in, initial investment push. We've heard the. Um, MMA story with uh, Dana White and what are the brothers? Oh, yeah, the, the brothers. It, yeah. They just sold for like a few billion. I think they invested. I saw this documentary on it and they like took it. MMA used to be like beach volleyball, like real small. Right, yeah. And they invested like $17 million in, oh, in really? it and turned it around and made it this huge worldwide thing and just sold it for. Yeah, they, well, they bought it for like $3 million oh, did and they? then invested a fair amount would have, I mean, relative to what they sold it, they invested nothing. And then like 10 years later, they sold it for, I think 6 billion. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. So all you uh, billionaires out there, <laughs> you know who to call, <laughs> go ahead and direct message, sandcast underscore podcast. Yeah. We'll take care of it from there. <laughs> we got it from there. Just, uh, just I'll give you we'll my bank some wire, information. Wire information. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to make sure that we link to that photo that you were talking about. Do you have it on Instagram or Facebook anywhere Ooh. that we could have it in the show notes? Yeah, no, but dope. I'll take a photo of it when I get take home. Take a photo of your photo. You okay, we'll, we'll make sure to get that photo up in the show notes. Um, we're going to pause one more time for a commercial break from our sponsors, and then we'll get back to our podcast with April Ross. You're listening to Sandcast, Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawerder, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. VolleyballMag.com is your daily digital news source for all things volleyball, from NCAA women and men to beach volleyball on all levels to international and more. Beach VolleyballMag.com, the only media outlet that covers our sport on all fronts every day. Marriott Vacation Club Rentals offers the best vacation accommodations in the world's best vacation destinations. Wherever you travel, Florida to Hawaii, which is my home, Europe to California, which is April Ross's home, choose to rest in our luxurious guest rooms, suites, or villas in your next getaway. Villas offer all the comforts of home, including a full kitchen, living, and dining area, and separate bedrooms. Stay with the Marriott name you know and trust. Book big spaces and great places today. Visit www.mvcrentals.com. Shoots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got our last segment here. We have our fan questions here for you, Miss April. Uh, now, a couple of these we've already sort of covered, so I'll have to do a, a little bit of, of editing. So this one is from Wahin Fan 44 um, he said, <laughs> "Are these made up?" I don't know. This is from so it's from Volley Talk. Joaquin? No. So Volley Talk. It had it had an H in there. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> so, sorry if we, we mispronounced that, but it says besides USC, what schools did you consider in your college choice? Oh, I haven't had that question like ever. Um, 
Uh, my first choice for a long time was Stanford, and then UCLA. Uh, I looked at University of Washington and Hawaii, and I think USD were my top five. And um, it was kind of embarrassing because I was getting letters from every college, and I was under I. We just started to get this impression that I could choose whatever college I wanted to go to. And I said, okay, I want to go to Stanford. And I hadn't gone on my trip there. I hadn't applied or anything, but I started wearing a Stanford sweatshirt to school every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I have photos of me in high school wearing a Stanford sweatshirt like every day. And then I went on my recruiting trip and they sat me down and said I was like their fifth or sixth choice for their team for that year. But they said, just apply and whatever. And so I worked really hard on my application. It was the only one I tried really hard on. And I sent it in. And my club coach got a call from their assistant coach being like, why did April slack off so much on her application? And he kind of like came down hard on me. And I was (laughs) like, no, I tried really hard. And so they just, they rejected me. They're like, oh, well then you're rejected. Yeah. (laughs) You tried hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For the record, Stanford's acceptance rate is 4.7%. And that's, you're one among many. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've bonded with a couple others who've gone through the same thing. Um, And then I didn't consider USC until... Jarrett Elliott somehow weaseled his way into a home visit with me and he sat down and I had no intention of ever going to USC uh, and did his video presentation or whatever. And my mom, my dad, neither, they were both UCLA people. My aunt and uncle went to UCLA and he just did his pitch. And afterwards me and my mom were like, oh my gosh, this just seems so right. And then I took my visit there and fell in love with it. And my visit to UCLA was like the opposite. I just didn't feel at home at all. And so I ended up going to USC, not one of my top five at all, (laughs) but it turned out to be the right decision. I'm so curious about the recruiting process, I think, because now it's insane. Like an athlete will tweet, I'm committed to Oregon when they're a freshman in high school. And they'll have 300 stories written about them in, in a day. And then, you know, back then, what Twitter's been around since what, like 2010? So obviously we didn't have this. So what was the recruiting process like back then? It's probably a lot more quiet than, it, than it is now. Yeah, it's it was very right quiet. Now. Very quiet. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't take. I was, I was a late committer, but I didn't take any um, visits until my senior year. I committed like, like, uh, oh no, sorry, till my junior year or my senior year. Um, no, I think it was my senior year. I took only unofficial visits. I didn't take any official visits and committed like December of my senior year, I want to say. So it was super late. Did they take you out on frat row? They knew. So I didn't <laughs> drink in high school. So they uh, knew like, smart. yeah, I went to UCLA and this is if you're in college and you're trying to get someone to come to your school, like do your research because I went to UCLA and the seniors took me around school and all they were talking about was how hard they were going to haze the freshmen and that scared me away. She's and like, I said, uh, I'm going to be a freshman. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I <laughs> don't drink you do and you're going to try and make me drink. <laughs> and so I got real turned off by that. Um, 
and and all the girls at SC knew like don't don't do that. So we just had a good old fun uh, time and yeah. So UCLA scared you into being the national freshman of the year at their rival. So. Yep, yep. <laughs> Thank you UCLA. <laughs> Talk about a backfire right there. We took uh, Brad Lawson, who's one of the top recruits. Um, on his recruiting trip at SC, we took him to a Stanford game because they sucked at football, and we were obviously SC at the time. We were like number one or number two in the country, and Stanford upset. Oh, was SC. this the Jim Harbaugh Andrew yeah. Luck upset in the Coliseum? Oh. They upset, <laughs> and then Brad committed to to Stanford, won a national championship his t- sophomore year as the MVP of the Final Four. Like, yeah, we took him to the wrong game. <laughs> It's all Whoops. the football team's fault. Yeah, it's, it's football. It's always the football team's fault. That was on them. Fault. Recruiting's a risky game. Um, now we have a, a question from Tams. He says, what is the most memorable match of 2017? Uh, and I guess you can go either or here, and then most memorable match of your career. Uh, most memorable match. The first thing that, of 2017 that comes to mind is the semifinal against uh, Canada and the World Championships. Um, it was just like everything came together for us. That was so exciting. The fact that like you get into the semis and it's in such a big tournament and you know, like the difference between winning and losing that match is so huge. So not to mention you guys were down, like you, you were getting, you got smashed oh, against Emily and oh, was we, it? Yeah. Nicole, we Emily were and Nicole in, for in the 17th, first. Yeah. And then you guys somehow, or you guys pulled oh, that match out. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For 17. Yeah, for, I was in watching. In the first it. round out of playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and I turned it on. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, What's going smashed. on here? Yeah. And then you guys pulled it out. And then. That, that was actually a really memorable match, too. Two days later, you're in, you're, you and Lauren are in the finals of the world championships. I always have to remind myself of that. Like, when you're in tournaments and things get really, really hard and really, really dire, like, I've very rarely won a tournament where you didn't, I didn't have to turn one of those situations mm-hmm. around. It was, it's never like easy. You don't like roll to a tournament win and you always have to like grind and get really like dirty and figure out like how to pull it out. So you can never expect it to be easy and world champs definitely wasn't not that we won, but I mean, silver at world champs this summer was amazing for me. So winning that semi was huge. Lauren um, played amazing, sided out so well against Sarah Pavin um, up there, six five block. Um, so that was most memorable this summer. And then um, in my career, the most memorable match. Um, like when I can remember, like throughout the match. Six man, two thousand. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, one memorable huge match was against Switzerland in Rio. It was pool play. It was to win our pool, and I think we ended up winning fifteen thirteen in the third. And that was that was a scary one. Like that was the first match in Olympic uh, Carrie's career that she lost in the Olympics. And it just was gnarly. And it was a team that we thought we should, like, kind of handle. And they gave us a run for our money. And we eked it out 15-13. And that was, that was a huge win. Um, that I mean, that would have been her first match loss yeah, if you lost. Yeah. Wow. We waited till the semis to do that. Yeah, <laughs> <we did. laughs> uh, but, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to beat the semifinals in London and then the bronze medal match in Rio. Those are two of the most memorable. And then I'm going to mention a third, which 
uh, it was actually against Stanford at Stanford. Uh, I think my senior year, it went five. We had this gnarly rivalry and they actually, something happened. They thought they won. They started celebrating and then a Gunna Namani, does that name ring any bell? She was like, they're starting outside. It's a great name. Yeah. She, she's an amazing, amazing person. She was really good. Um, and the down ref, no one saw, but the down ref had called a net on her. And I think he, I, this is the story I heard. He asked her if she, like, you net, right? And she like admitted to netting. And Never so they were celebrating. We had already walked off the court in defeat. And then they called us both back out to the court because she had net. And we ended up winning that match oh. and going on, I think, to an undefeated season. No way. <laughs> yeah. So that, I remember that match pretty She needs vividly. some sort of like oh. sportsmanship medal. <laughs> no, she She gets it. Like she, she is that type of, she's wow. that person. If I was on her team, I would be so pissed. Like, <laughs> There's no sportsmanship medals. <laughs> you need to my don't show up to practice for a week. It's the ref's job to call that. That's a mo- that's yours. an ethical sports question. Like the referee yeah, is there to that's their job. Yeah, my job the, is to, to play win. and then to walk back and serve when they tell me to, not to tell the I've ref said, what the right call I've is. I set my own my own policy. So in CBVAs, I have to call it myself. Yes, because the refs aren't paid. It's it's the paid ref versus the not paid right. ref that sort of does it for me. Like if that's his job, like sorry, I'm not yeah. <laughs> I'm not helping you out if I hit the net. It's the uh, it's the Swiss guys that that are the only guys on tour that will like call stuff on themselves. And then, I mean, there's one guy, Gabbeth Thieler, You know him? Uh-huh. He's gotten mad at me on multiple occasions for not like calling my own touches or like for fake. Like I, I touched the ball, it went out. I was like, no, 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 no. You know, it's like yeah, like everyone does. And he's like staring at me through the night. Try. Come on, try. How are you going to do that? You know you touched him. Like, yeah, but he didn't call it. Yeah. Like, what What do you expect here? Like, we're playing for thousands of dollars, and I just flew across the world to play you. And then he did it again. Actually, he, um, he wanted the ref to give me, like, a card because I swore. I was like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> he's like, at the ref, he, he said this word. He said this word. I'm like... Yeah, who cares? Like, yeah, we can swear. I mean, you know, you get a card. It's a professional sport. Like, yeah, have like, you seen some you of the like right videos now? of the NBA players like mouthing what they mouth? Oh, like, it's a joke. Come on. Yeah. Like, if we heard what happens in an NFL huddle, yeah, it would yeah. be everyone would be getting arrested probably. Yeah, it's not your jo- it's not your job to police yourself once you're in competition. It's when you anyway. don't call it. We try. We know you're. No, don't call it. <laughs> You can feel bad about it. You can feel bad, yeah. sure, for sure. Actually, and no, then, you can't. No, you can't. You okay. can't feel bad. You just got to let it go. After the match, when it's over, if, if the other player comes up to you and it comes up, don't deny it. If yeah. it didn't happen, be like, yeah, yeah, the ref missed that. Yeah. That's my policy. I'll be like, yeah, for sure, I touched but it. But that's like, also a big reason why they need the challenge system, and they got the challenge system. Challenge system's good. I yeah. Know. It works really well. But yeah, they need it because it's their job to referee the match and make sure it's fair. It's not... Your job. Like, when you're... Yeah. No, it's not. Done. There you have it. If you're in an AVP qualifier, don't call your nets. <laughs> but <laughs> when you're in practice, just tournament. In call practice, call, when you're in practice, call yes. it. You have to call it. That's more f- for you to get better. And CBVAs, call your nets and touches. The refs yeah. aren't paid. Um, we'll have a couple more. This one's from JB Southpaw. Actually, the next couple. Um, so the FIVB schedule, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. 
Um, we talked about just kind of how early it is, and that's just kind of killing everyone's off season. But what do you think about the location of them? So JB Southpaw is pointing to the number of Asian countries on the FIVB schedule, and your thoughts on that? Um, well, China's killing it, so that just that's what happens. You got to go where their promoters have money and um, where they value sports, and that's China for one. I don't, I don't mind going to the Asian countries. Like I, China's rough, but, um, yeah, I don't mind it. Like it's interesting. And you're, when you go places like that, it's really easy to focus on volleyball. Like you're just there to play because there's nothing else to do. Japan's one of my favorite stops. Japan. It's a lot different than China though. It's opposite of China. (laughs) Um, but it's just extremely hot. That Yokohama tournament that was, was the hottest tournament I think I've ever played. I didn't yeah. think it could get hotter than Brazil and Yokohama. It was Yokohama was... and then uh, Mexico for me, but I think Yokohama took it. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Like, we were, players were, um, there's pictures of them sitting in the ice cooler. Like, we're throwing the water bottles out of the ice cooler because we wanted to be in it. We had them like bring heads, in everything. fans into the player boxes. Yeah, it was it was gnarly. <laughs> yeah, like where you're trying to survive, kind of thing. I love talking to you guys about this stuff because that's the stuff you don't see that on YouTube or you know wherever you're streaming the games. Like it just looks like normal beach volleyball and it's sunny, but you don't see just like it's like 120 degrees on the court and no breeze because it's think in the it stadium. I think it got up to like 150 degrees on like and it's way hotter when you put the thermometer on the sand or whatever. Jeez, it was a hot. 115? No, it was like 140, 100 and like way up there. The sand temperature? The, like not the sand temperature, like the heat the down air, there by air. the by the sand. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It was it was gnarly. 140 is like death. Yeah, I was going to say, it that's got to be like, unsafe. <laughs> maybe it wherever wasn't the thermometer, Wherever the thermometer was, I know that was, it was maybe, like 130 but... for sure. When they put the thermometer on the sand, yeah, it registered it 130. Right sand, yeah. It was sitting right on the sand, and it was at least 130. And there's times where like you legitimately can't stand on that part of the sand. Because yeah. you're, you're going to get you're gonna fry boils. Your feet. Like your, your feet are going to burn off. <laughs> like They'll start boiling. Yeah, that was... You have to like run to like the part where the sand's dug up, or yeah. else you're... Screwed. It's, just it's like throw water like, down is, the court. This is a professional sport. Can you yeah. imagine NBA guys like when they step outside the sideline, their feet start burning? It was a big deal. Like it jumping was a big deal and when like, the AC went out in San Antonio yeah. and LeBron started LeBron, cramping because yeah. the gym was like eighty degrees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor guy. April's playing on one fifty. Like, come I'm on now. like yeah. forcing myself to sit in saunas for like forty five minutes so I can handle the heat of these beach volleyball yeah, tournaments. I did, I did uh, that Bikram hot yoga before oh, Mexico. Oh, that's so good. It yeah, worked. it helps so much because it's legit that hard that yoga. <laughs> yeah. Just like, why am I still working out? Yeah. But that's basically what our job is sometimes. Anyway. Um, but the schedule in general, um, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I think, like I just wrote it all down in my calendar and it looks like I'm going to be on the road from like mid-April until September. But um, I prefer it like that. What about the, uh, the stars, though? The, like the fact that you're playing in fours and f- fives that aren't even equivalent to the Grand Slams that you were playing in the few years before. I don't mind the star system, but they need to upgrade all the stars. They need more value. To yeah, the all stars. of them need more values. Right. Like, 
maybe maybe the one stays as is, but like the five stars, there needs to be more of them, and they need to have more points and more prize money, and the four stars need to be more points, more prize money. So it just needs to... It took a lot of value off the top end, I feel like, for us. Yeah. Which... Great. They spread out the lot, lots more tournaments. Right. So everyone now everyone, there's opportunity for everyone to play on the world tour and get up to where we're at. But now it you're taking away the ama- value. It turned, of, turned it into an amateur sport. Yeah. Much. Now you're taking the value away from like where everyone's fighting to get to. It's like, yeah. well, I don't really want to fight to get to the top because it's not all that great anymore. Yeah. A lot more participation and, medals. And for me, year. like I was spoiled my first four years because we had great grand slams, a few million dollar events. Yeah. My first few years. And now I'm looking back at it like, well, this sucks. It just got worse in a lot of ways. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. Hmm. Is there any event that you look forward to every year is kind of like the one that you want to play? Now that hmm. you've been to everyone like five yeah. times or I've more. never been to Porridge. I've never been to the Croatia tournament. You haven't been to Porridge? No. What? Every year something happens. That's so weird. I know. It's, I feel like I would love it, and it's a I've good event. never been able to go. It's a good event. The side courts are like, okay, it's not like the best um, side courts, but like, yeah, you're in like this old town, old European town, and the stadium's rocking, like all the majors. And then so there's the sick. obstacle course in the lake. Yeah. <laughs> I, really I definitely took do. advantage of all that last year. We stayed for an extra week, and then we went across, oh, took really? a ferry across to Venice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, me and Hayden and... Awesome. Robin, his wife, and Evie. Yeah, we stayed for a week in Porridge because we had to go to Poland, but that was two weeks away, so we just stayed in Porridge and did the high ropes, did the wakeboarding where you, it tows you around the, the oh harbor. Wakeboarding, yeah. It's a, it's a good How place. How did you do in Poland after that? Um, good question. We lost to Jake and Casey for fifth. Okay, that's pretty good, though. We not talked about this. Not when you're trying to qualify for uh, the Olympics uh, against Jake and, and Casey. Yeah, that's well, true. And try had a little stupid, trouble with the, the food little... in Poland. Uh, oh, yeah, we got super sick. Where was it in Poland? <laughs> Wait, was that that one? No, that was the one before. Yeah, me and Hayden both got super sick. Wait, I can't remember. They all blur together. It was... Um, was it Starjabonski? No, no, no. It was... Um, Olsten? Olsten, yeah. Olsten? Um, we got super sick. We had to forfeit against Allison and Bruno because me and Hayden were both throwing up oh. and coming out the other end. That's happened to room. me once in my career, and it was in Thailand. And I thought I had had food poisoning before that. No. <laughs> uh, well, everyone, yeah. I've heard. I learned what food poisoning was in Thailand, and I could not get out of bed to go play. Like, no. I felt like the biggest wuss for forfeiting because I had food poisoning. I'm like, be... And that's Allison and Bruno for us, too. That's like, first of all, at the time, we were two and two against them all time. Like, oh, And not many good. people had a good record yeah, against really them. Good. And it's Allison and Bruno. You want to go beat the best team in the world. Yeah. So we had to forfeit that one. But that sucked. And I got it in India really bad. Did you play? Was that a tournament in India? That was a... Junior World Championships with, oh, with your roommates, Carson about, Clark yes, and I Kyle Friend were there. heard about this. Oh, it was Nobody really bad. Nobody wanted to go. It yeah. was really bad. And I got like a few IVs, but out there they don't have regular IVs. It's basically like a Gatorade bottle full with saline. <laughs> the nurse is like, uh, we don't know how to use these IVs because they're not bags. They just gave me these water bottles. I'm like, well, I, don't, I can't even think straight right now or walk straight. So do what you got to do. do. And then they're straight needles. So like... 
the metal needle, they leave it in for like two hours oh my rather gosh, than like beautiful. putting the metal needle in and pulling it out and the rubber's left in you. So it bends. So I couldn't move my arm the next day. I'm like, yeah, coach, I'm good. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> I think that's a good platform that my arm's stuck in. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that happens every once in a while for us. Yeah. <laughs> Traveling is rough sometimes. Yeah. But you do have a lot of traveling to do this season, so we're looking forward to you and Alex Kleinman uh, in the 2018 season. Now, where can our listeners find you on social media? Do you have a website? Where can they connect with April Ross? Uh, I am April Ross Beach on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Oh, no, I'm April Ross Official on Facebook. So facebook.com slash April Ross Official. And then my website is aprilrossbeach.com. Um, I was gonna pretty say easy something. to find. Pretty easy to find. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, is there anything else that you want to mention? Anything that we wish you wish you would have asked us? Do you want to come we, on the podcast more you? often? Yeah, I might be interested in being on the podcast more often. A co-co- right. co-co-host. I'll start uh, brainstorming ideas for guests and yes. topics. Sweet. We're digging deep, people. We might have added the newest team member. Or I'll just bring the wine. <laughs> <laughs> the wine will be flowing either that way. Works too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate you so much for, for coming and hanging out with us here on a Monday night. Um, Try. thanks as always for hosting in the Shoot. Born on the Beach studios. Oh, yeah. And we'll catch you guys next week on Sandcast. Go Ravens. Go Ravens. <laughs> <laughs>